Let's talk about the violent and predatory men in our community. Let's also discuss why men need to truly listen to women and understand what they experience way too often. What about the Pandora's box that Prince Harry has opened up about the royal family and a whole lot more? This is Pablo from Hackney and this is Pablo's podcast. Thank you for choosing Pablo's podcast today. Welcome. Ultimately, we have to change attitudes, not only by law, but by education. The Dalai Lama. So, it's been a very eventful week this week. Lots has happened. Lots and lots of has happened. Um, some good, some not so good, for sure. But a lot has happened. It's been, I mean, we started off this week, it being... International Women's Day. Um, it was also uh, Commonwealth Day on the same day, and then also it, it was the first anniversary of it being announced that we're actually in a pandemic. That was, I think on the eleventh of March, the WHO um, actually confirmed that you know the planet was in a pandemic situation, and then we're going to end this week with it being Mother's Day. So. Yeah, very significant week for sure. This week, I also learned about a famous um, little-known um, lady named of Florence Price, who was born in 1887. She made history in 1933, where she became the first African woman to have a symphony performed um, by a major U.S. orchestra in Chicago. So, yeah, groundbreaking for her time, for sure. But um, basically, her, her work um, kind of disappeared, went into obscurity um, after her death in 1953. And eight years later, it's been re- rediscovered, it's being performed, um, and it's, it's all being recorded and kind of being brought back to life. So this is a good thing. So hopefully we'll be hearing more of her music, um, you know, uh, now that it's been refound and, and publicised. So... Hats off to Florence Price. Florence Price, yeah, a new name to remember. And on the 23rd of March, uh, this this March, will be the, well, it'll be exactly a year since the um, we was told to stay at home, basically, um, by the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson. So at 12pm on the 23rd of March, it's been organised that we like that we have a minute silence at twelve o'clock midday, and then in the evening, um, people will be lighting up their their doors, their, their porches, and stuff um, in in memory of that, you know, to mark that time. So yeah, it's been it's been a well as we we've all lived it together, so it's, we we know how it's been. You know, some of us have fared a bit better than others, but it's touched every single person on the planet in some way, shape, or form. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, and it's going to continue to do that. I mean, Dr. Hopkins from the um, Public Health, she spoke about the in the winter, this winter, winter 2021-22, we're going to have like a rise in the respiratory viruses, especially as we, we didn't have any um, flu this year, any flu virus this year. Um, she was speaking about our immunity has probably fallen, so that's going to have its implications as well. So yeah. So we just have to see how that goes. Hopefully it's not too bad. Hopefully hopefully we don't have to deal with flu again. That would be interesting. 
I think a lot of people have things to say about that and thoughts about that. But um, but let's just see. We just have to see. Um, it's great that the kids are back at school, though. Um, even though they have to wear their masks all the time, they are back at school. Um, and it's, it's kind of been uneventful. You know, we, 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 it's only the first week, but we'll have, just have to see it all plays out. But at least they're back at school and, you know, they can see their friends and people can get back to to work um, in a way a bit bit more normal than than it has been since um, the full lockdown has come come into place. So, so yeah, but really happy for the young people being back at school. I think that's, that's really important. What's not so good, though, is um, there's been a couple of um, young people uh, as life's been taken. Um, there was a murder of a 19-year-old male in Tottenham um, this week. Um, very sad thoughts go out to his family, for sure. Um, and a 15-year-old and a 7-year-old have been arrested for that. Um, and there's also been a 18-year-old male um, named Mazaza Osu Mensa was stabbed and killed in Abbey Wood. Um, I hope I pronounced his name correctly. Um, but yeah, thoughts and prayers go out to both of these families. Really sad whenever young people use, lose their life, whenever anybody loses their life. So happening more and more frequently. Um, and yeah, something we definitely have to keep in mind and, and get on top of. Um, and yeah, there's a, you know, a woman lost her life recently as well. That's, that's been one of the big stories this, this week. Um, really sad. Um, but before I go into that, statistically, um, I'm not sure if you may know or you may not know, but statistically, one in 10 men, um, they say, has raped somebody. Those are what the statistics say at the moment. One in 10 men. So if you've got 10 men, if you know 10 men, one of them, they say, um, would have raped somebody statistically, which is really worrying really really concerning um yeah and you know so obviously there's a, there's a lot of talk about the objectification of women and you know all, all you know the way how we deal with women the way how we look at women um and i think as men you know we're, we're gonna have to really sit down and listen to women and find out what what's really going on for them and how they feel and and really hear what we can do to kind of make things better because you know there is a there is a section of of men who are really not you know it's 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 a lot it's too much it's too much what's going on um and and yeah i mean the truth is some some men are you know violent predators that's that's the fact of it some men are definitely violent predators and the, the truth is as well is men and women live in fear of violent male predators, you know? Whenever we talk about, you know, violent crimes, murders, we just spoke about, um, you know, you can bet your bottom dollar we're talking about a male perpetrator, you know? It's, it's generally, mostly male violence. So, you know, women are fearful, definitely, um, um, but men are also fearful of those male predators as well. You know, so we, we definitely have to start looking at this um, properly and, and deeply and, and get some change because now we've got um, Sarah Ev Evard, who's lost her life recently, 
Um, and it's turned out it's a Met police officer who's now been charged with kidnap, the kidnap and murder of Sarah. Um, and she d- disappeared. She was in, um, in Clapham and Clapham Common. Um, and, yeah, this serving Met officer, Wayne Cousins, 48 years old, um, is now been charged with, like I said, the murder and kidnap of her. Um, he's going to be appearing in Westminster Court um, later this week. Westminster Magistrates Court later this week charged with the, the murder of um, Sarah. You know, it's, it's caused so many ripples, you know. Um, you know, I, 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 I think there's, there's so much going on in the world and, and everything is rightfully now getting the, the focus that it should have always got, you know. I think things are, things are being looked at a lot more and, and felt a lot deeper, you know, and it, it should have been felt a lot deeper from, from a long time ago. But like I said, violent um, predators, um, you know, it's male violent predators. That's, that's really what it comes down to. So women are not feeling safe. Um, yeah. It's something we really have to look at. Really, really, really have to look at. I mean, I think some of the things that we do need to look at is maybe how we educate boys and men, you know, throughout their most informative years. Maybe, you know, how we, the things that we're teaching them from zero to 21, you know, throughout their schooling and into their college and into their university. Um, You know, maybe we need to start teaching them more about how men treat women, you know how we're supposed to treat women, you know, what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. Um, teaching men and boys um, how to deal with rejection, you know. I mean, I, I, I haven't got all the answers. Like I said, this is, these are really, really conversations where men really need to sit down and listen to women to find out what's going on. But these are just some of the things that I've thought about myself um, and realised. And things like um, the sentencing, like the sentencing for, for rape and for stalking, indecent assault, curb crawling, things like that. The, the, the sentencing definitely needs to be looked at. People definitely don't get enough, um, well, long, long enough custodial sentences if they get custodial sentences at all. So that's something I think definitely needs to be looked at. Um, I think there should, if there's, if there's more uh, f- police, you know, uh, on foot patrol during the night, um, I think that would deter a lot of crime. I think that will help people generally just feel safer on on the streets at night as well. Um, yeah, I think that plays a part as well. But also um, the access to violent porn. There's, you know, obviously porn, now people can access that on their mobile phone, regardless of their age. As long as they've got a smartphone, they can access these things. But So re- somehow reducing access to violent porn specifically, you know. Um, yeah, I think, I think that will help. I think that... that that probably pays a part as well. Um, tighter control over the topics and, and the types of shows that are on TV in regards to the time, like just making sure that they're age, uh, time appropriate for the, for the appropriate age. So, you know, make sure certain things really are after the watershed and things like that. But again, I think the biggest thing is, is educating boys and men through their most informative years from zero to 21, you know, when they're, when they're in that learning phase, you know, um, on basically how to treat women, you know, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. And if, if you're teaching that from, 
primary school all the way up to um, secondary school, college, university, and throughout education, basically, make it a theme. Um, then, you know, hopefully, you know, those, those men that maybe were prone to be um, violent, uh, predatory type males, um, maybe that will curb that, you know. But um, but failing that for those ones that slip through the net, it's it's really about how they dealt with once they're caught, you know. And definitely the sentencing, the sentencing definitely needs to be looked at for sure as a deterrent, as a deterrent. Um, but yeah, yeah. But we 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 really need to sit down and listen to women. We we got women in our family. We got female friends, you know. If they if they want to talk, um, yeah, we need to sit and listen as men for sure. So um, this has all caused um, a a protest um, in the evening. So this is this is like Saturday. There's a you'll be listening to this on Sunday, but on Saturday there were um, five hundred women uh, protesting, um, and there were some clashes with police, some arrests being made. And even um, Kate, Kate Middleton turned up um, during the daytime to show her respects and, and, and read some of the cards, etc. But in the evening, um, yeah, it, it, I think, you know, the clashes with the police because obviously we're in lockdown, etc. So that's, that's going to cause some problems as well because the optics of that, you know, obviously the pictures associated and the video footage associated with that, bearing in mind what it is, it's... Yes, it's a, it's a tricky time because on one hand, obviously, the police want to make sure people are off the street because of COVID and, and not grouping up. But also, um, women feel, you know, w- want to, you know, be heard and, you know, say their piece and, and protest in regards to this this tragic um, crime that's happened as well. So, yeah, challenging, definitely challenging. But, you know, we know, we know these things happen um, and there are places where you can get support. If you're in a situation where you're, you're dealing with anything even remotely um, abusive, um, there are people that can support you. There's, there's the Refuge um, National Domestic um, Abuse Helpline on 0808 2000 That's 0808 2000 And you can call them 24 hours a day. Um, and they they specialise in in supporting victims of people who are affected by domestic abuse, and and the call is free as well. So that is a number definitely to have in your phone, and you know, um, and you you know you're not alone. It's, and it is about speaking to people that can support you and not holding stuff in, for sure. So um, on the other side of the pond, uh, George Floyd situation is. Um, you know, it's still fresh in our minds. I mean, we're coming round to another year now. It will be the anniversary of his passing soon. Um, it's also, it's also this week is the anniversary of Breonna Taylor's death. Um, there's still no convictions in regards to her situation, but in regards to George Floyd, um, they reached a settlement of 19 million pounds for the family in regards to his death. Um, they are still. Uh, boy, at the moment they're selecting the jury for um, Derek um, Chavon's uh, murder trial. That's the policeman who who was kneeling on on George Floyd's neck. Um, you know, uh, I mean, in my mind, that should this should be quite a short trial. 
I mean, I, I, you know, we, we've, we've seen what happened. There isn't really an excuse for it in my mind. I don't know how you can put up a defence in regards to that. So um, hopefully it's, it's dealt with quickly, effectively, and in relation to what the family would really want to see, which is justice, obviously. Um, but yeah, so they're picking the juries, the jurors for that at the moment. Um, the hearing's going to be the 29th of March, I believe. Um, and the other three um, officers involved in the death, um, was it J. Alex, Alexander Quang and Tu, tu Thao and Thomas Lane. So the three other officers involved, um, but they've been charged with aiding and abetting the murder and manslaughter. So they're going to be tried um, separately um, later on in the year. But yeah, um, yeah, it's you know the the money's the you know the money is compensation, but obviously, as we know, the the money won't won't do anything to do with the pain of the family and whatnot. Um, but what will go some way to help really is is justice you know that's that's what any any victim of any crime would want is justice more than anything you know so hopefully um justice will be served um, in regards to those police officers and that situation and and hopefully they start to look at the police officers involved in behind the Taylor's situation as well because you know, nobody's not even been. Not, I don't think anybody's even been charged with anything in regards to that one. So there's, um, yeah. So on on the on the TV, Piers Morgan, Piers Morgan. My goodness, this man, this man really, really upstaged himself this week. Um, so on Monday, again, which was International um, Women's Day which where the theme was choose to challenge he uh, clashed with dr shola um trisha goddard and shaka khan in regards to um the oprah oprah's interview with harry and megan so which i will speak about that in a, in a bit but um but yeah he he got really aggressive you know raising these tones in a in a, in a very aggressive way um on on gmtv it was yeah, it, it was really, really... I, I just couldn't believe the, the way how he, how he was going on, how he was behaving. Um, so, yeah, and um, but hats off to, to Shola, um, especially Dr. Shola and, and, and Trisha Goddard. They really dealt with him effectively, you know, um, and didn't have none of his, none of his nonsense, you know. He... he they, they dealt with him effectively. A very, very proud moment in, in the way that they dealt with him. So that was the Monday. And then obviously on the Tuesday, um, it was it was Piers's time now to clash with his colleague, the weather presenter, Alex, Ber- Alex Beresford. Um, and so basically, I mean, you, you guys must all know about this, but the, the way how Alex dealt with him Quite different to the to the ladies of the day before, you know. He he dealt with him, you know. He, di- he didn't raise his voice at all, you know. He kept very calm, um, but he kept very on point with the points that he wanted to make, you know. Found these moments. I mean, it's a different dynamic as well because this this is this was his colleague, 
you know, so the dynamic was different. And, and obviously there's a hierarchy situation as well. So he was very respectful with the way he did it. But when he was allowed to speak, because Piers doesn't really like to hear people speak when he, you know, regardless, I was going to say when he's talking, but even when he's not talking, he doesn't like people to speak. Um, but when he did speak, Alex, he was very sharp and on point and just basically spoke about the fact that, you know, he's been going at Megan very, very hard. And, you know, he, he knows he had she, he had a situation where he, he, he knew Megan and Megan hasn't returned his calls, et cetera, et cetera. And since then, he's just been going at him, going at her rather. Um, and then Piers walked out. And I've got to tell you, I was in stitches. I was in absolute stitches. He walked out like a big child. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was ridiculous. I, I had to actually rewind it a few times. It was so bizarre because obviously Piers Morgan is a man that doesn't like to listen to anybody, gives it to people hard, makes it really personal and challenging and all of these things. So, so for him to be in a debate or in, in any kind of dialogue or in any kind of scenario to walk out. I mean, just watching any professional walk out is, is bizarre to me anyway. Um, but especially somebody like, like Piers Morgan. So it just really, really exposed the, the type of person he really is. Um, but yeah, it's... So there's just been a lot of fallout since the Meghan and Harry Oprah interview and, and Piers is, is, is part of the fallout. Um, and he went on, he went on to, to resign the next day. That was the, that was the, 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 the icing on the cake. Um, absolutely crazy, absolutely crazy um, chain of events. But yeah, so no, no longer, no longer there. But he... I mean, there was things that he spoke about in regards to um, not believing Megan when she's talking about her mental health and and um, feeling suicidal, saying that he just doesn't believe her outright like that. And you know, to hear to hear somebody say that, especially in this time when we, we where we understand mental health, you know, a lot better. We we like to think we understand it a lot better, and we're a lot more tolerant of or people that talk about, you know, wanting to take their life and things like that. So to turn around and just blatantly say, especially on a platform like that, where, you know, where you have so many listeners, people that hang on your every word, for you to say that you you don't believe her, you know, um, is it was just crazy. You know, it was ridiculous to even hear that. So, so yeah, I mean, I wasn't surprised that he, he ended up um, resigning you know, who, who knows? Did he resign? Was he sacked? I, I, I don't really know. But the Ofcom, they had over 41,000 um, complaints about him. Um, Megan made a complaint um, specifically to Ofcom about him as well. So, so yeah, I, I suppose that's, that's going to be an ongoing thing as well, how, how that all pans out. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's been, it was just really eventful. That, that was like a, a two-day drama um, GMTV, two-day drama for sure. So, um, and all, all of it, like I said, it, it was ironic that, you know, th this interview went out on International uh, Women's Day and the theme of International Women's Day was Choose to Challenge. And this is all that's been happening this week, you know. Women have been challenging men um, 
in, in, in various um, scenarios, but this was one that was really publicised, you know. Um, and, and what did this man do? He, 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 he decided he's not going to believe her, you know, somebody who's, who's talking about her mental health, ill health, and, and then walk out, you know. It's, yeah. So, yeah, very eventful, very eventful. But we'll, we'll touch a bit more on that a bit later in regards to um, the interview with, with Meghan and Harry. But um, this week as well, um, Leon Briggs is, is a, a man who died in November um, 2013 after being detained um, at a Luton police station. He had, well, he was detained under the Mental Health Act. He had a, an episode... Um, I believe um, drugs may have been involved in it, amphetamines, intoxication um, was 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 involved in his death. But however, um, the way how he was handled by the police and restrained um, is uh, it's been confirmed now through inquest that um, it was more than minimal, more than minimal contribution to his death. The way how he was held, the way how he was left face down in the cell. You know, when you see the videos of, of how they left him, um, the, the door like kind of clipped this man's feet as he was laying on the floor, head down, head against the bed. Um, and he was, you know, that's, that's how he died, you know, at, at the end. So, yeah, um, this is happening time and time again, you know. I, I mean, I, I didn't know about Leon Briggs's case, but there have just been a few cases um, over this over the past couple of weeks we've spoken about. So to hear about this one so long ago as a 2013 still um, in the courts and being spoken about um, is definitely troubling, definitely troubling. So, you know, the police definitely need to look at how, how they do things, you know, with, with black men who are having mental health episodes, whether they're drug-induced or not, you know, um, so I'm, I'm, and I'm saying police need to look at it, but I think it's, it's whatever an organisation outside of the police need to come into the police and support them in how they function because the way, the way they're doing it is, is causing problems, it's causing deaths, um, and that's the long and short of it, really. So it'd be, I mean, and be, also with this case as well, um, no police have been charged with this man's death, um, and, you know, that, that's also troubling as well, you know, time and time again across the pond in the UK, you know, there's, there's situations where the police are involved and people are dying and people are not being convicted. Um, so, yeah, these are things we definitely need to look at um, and, and, and make some change, make some change for sure. So in Australia, they're looking to make some change. So Aboriginal Australians... Um, in the state of Victoria have announced that they are inquiring into making a um, impact on the colonisation of uh, Aboriginal people. So they're, they're going to be um, basically putting things together to actually explore this a bit more and speak about it. Basically, it hasn't really been formally examined in full, the impact of past policies. And it's been like 233 years that Aboriginals, Aboriginal people have been, um, you know, this, their, their homes been taken, their land been taken, you know, been taken over by, by Europeans. So, yeah, so, and this is since the British settlement in 1788. So they're looking to 
open it up, examine it, be honest with it, speak about it. Long time coming, really. I'm, I'm really surprised, you know, that they haven't spoken about these things because it's, it's happening in, in, in plain sight, you know. Um, and it's not like the indigenous people are not there. They're, they're still there. And a lot of them do live in, in, in poverty, you know. So, um, so yeah, um, they've been dispossessed. They've been deprived. Um, and there's been a deliberate silence, you know. These, these are the words that the ab- Aboriginal Australians are talking about now. 233 years of um, violence, dispossession, uh, deprivation and deliberate silence. So what they're saying is they're committed to, to telling the truth, you know, and opening it up and exploring and, and seeing how they move forward. So, yeah, definitely with them on that. Definitely with them on that. And we'll, we'll see how that goes um, over time. So, yes, um, this week as well, it was also um, World Kidney Day. World Kidney Day on the 11th of March. And, and that's one of the one of the many things that kind of plague us as, as, as a people. Um, we, we have high numbers of kidney issues um, within our community. So, and there are things that we can, we can do, you know, um, keeping on top of our health to kind of minimise the chances of that happening. Um, the way we eat, you know, blood pressure, you know, salt, all of these things. So, so yeah, um, the 11th of March, um, World Kidney Day. Um, yeah, and I know, I know. I mean, most of us have got people, if not multiple people, that have that we know that have had um, kidney issues. Um, you know, people that are on dialysis and things, and it's it's not easy. It's it's very challenging. Um, and I, I've got club people very close to me um, that have got kidney issues. So it's it's definitely something that's close to my heart as well. And I've I've lost people that um, that have had um, kidney issues as well. So. So yeah, um, the 11th of March every year, World Kidney Day. So um, yeah, well, we spoke about um, Megan. I, I did mention about her, how it's there's been a hell of a lot of fallout after her, the, you know, the docu- not documentary, the interview. So um, I'm going to speak a little bit more about that in a second. But I did want to mention as well um, the meteor that we that came down a couple of weeks ago. Um, they found they actually found the meteorite, you know, in Gloucestershire. I, I, I mean, I know there was they said they was looking for it, but I was thinking that that's going to be like a needle in a haystack. But they actually found it, and it's not even been that long. Um, and it's the first time in thirty years that a meteorite's been uh, retrieved in the UK. And this, the type of meteorite that they found this time is is meant to be really um, a significant. It's really rare. This particular type, I, w- I would have thought it's all rare. To be fair, coming all the way from space to land on on little old Earth. So, um, but yeah, but this particular one is something to do with the. Um, it's something to do with the formation of the solar system 4.6 billion years ago. It's, it's that kind of rock. Um, I, can't, I can't remember the name of it, but yeah, it's something to do with that. So yeah, quite significant. But yeah, they found it. It actually landed on somebody's drive. They didn't say where the drive was, but they showed the picture of it. Um, so yeah, they've, they've recovered that, and I'm sure they'll examine that and find out what it's connected to and all of that stuff. So yeah, very interesting, very interesting. 
What's also interesting is this new thing, um, non-fungible, non-fungible tokens, NFTs. Now, I did not know anything about NFTs um, until this week. Um, I knew about some of the other bits and pieces like blockchain and cryptocurrencies and stuff like that. But this NFTs um, was very interesting. So basically, NFTs are um, like digital certificates of ownership. Um, and they are linked to um, blockchains and, and cryptocurrencies, things like that, um, and smart contracts and stuff. So to, what it was, I was reading up on this artist, um, Beeples. Beeples, this digital artist, he, he, he done this thing where he um, created a piece of art every day um, for 13 years, um, and he's done that 5,000 pieces. Um, and now he has sold... He's basically he's sold one of his pieces as an NFT. So, as I said, it's a digital um, certificate of ownership. So he, he sold one of his pieces, um, auctioned it via Christie's. They started the bidding at $100. And the winning bid ended up being $6 million. $6 million from 100 to $6 million. And so what will happen is who, the person who, who's, who's won it, well, not won it, who, yeah, who won the auction, now owns the digital certificate of ownership. And remember, this person's art is digital art. It's not, it's not a painting, you know, it's, it's, it's on a computer. So that digital piece of art, there's a NFT, which is that digital certificate. Somebody now owns that for £60 million. It's not physical, so you can't touch it, but that's the value of it. So this is a brand new way of things. I mean, it might sound a little bit confusing um, to you now if you're hearing it for the first time, but if you look into it, it'll, it'll make a bit more sense. But I have a funny feeling that this is going to change how, you know, how the art industry is, how the music industry is even, forever, you know, potentially. Um, so much so, what, recently there's, a, there's an organisation called um, Injective Protocol and they own a uh, 2006 original Banksy piece called, um, it's entitled Morons. Um, and so what they've done, and this was a physical piece, this was a physical painting what you could touch, drawing that you could touch. And so what they've done is they created the NFT for this piece, so that's a digital certificate of ownership, and then, and this piece, this piece of art, mind you, is worth £274,000. So with this physical piece of art, they created the NFT. So now it's got its digital certificate. And then they burnt the original. So now all of that value of that piece is now on this digital NFT and that is what can will potentially be sold in the future. Yeah, sounds sounds all bizarre, strange, and whatnot. I, I thought it was a bit odd. It took took me a while to get my head around it, but it's a thing. Um, people are paying millions for for digital art, um, and also um, Jack Dorsey, the founder of um, of Twitter. So he sold his first tweet which obviously is digital it's not a physical thing 
and he's now sold well he's not sold it he, the people are bidding for it and the bids are at the moment at 1.8 million and that is just for his first digital tweet which is also going to be sold as an nft so it's just a tweet of him saying i've just set up my twitter and it's sent from his original account in 2006 and there's an nft attached to that a non-fungible um, token and yeah whoever wins that bid will own that token and that will pass hands just in the same way that art pass hands but it's in its digital form so yeah it's all interesting we we really are living in a new world a new age it's things are really really changing in so many different ways from tech to you know how we function with each other how we how we look into situations that we're going through we're looking at things in a totally different way you know um yeah so yeah this is nfts nfts i definitely think that's going to have a big impact on the entertainment industry art industry the music industry um but yeah but talking about the music industry um versus which um which is owned by timberland and swiss beats um you probably if you haven't i mean you probably have heard of it but this is basically a platform where they have um Throughout the lockdown, throughout the pandemic, they've had artists on there doing like, you know, kind of clashing. Yeah, they've been clashing on it pretty much. Um, clashing and not, not in a negative way, but it's more like a celebration. But they'll have two artists on there, two popular artists playing their, their tracks back to back, like um, 20 tracks each and things like that. It's been really good. They've had about 43 performers um, participate um, over the, since, it, since it started throughout the lockdown and throughout the pandemic rather. Um, including like John Legend, Alicia Keys, even Beanie Man and and, and um, Bounty Killer, so um, DMX, yeah. But what's happened is they have now sold it to Triller, and Triller is a app. It's similar to TikTok, but it's been around for longer than TikTok. Triller's been around since um, 2015. So um, yeah, they've sold it to they've sold it to Triller which is really interesting this week. Um, but what they've also done is they've got, because now part of their deal is they actually get equity in, um, in Triller, as well as selling, selling their platform to, to Triller, which is Versus, they get a stake in Triller. And what they've also done is ensured that all of the 43 artists who participated in Versus, they also get a equity stake in Triller as well which I think was quite novel and, and quite, um, yeah, I think that was really good. That was a real good business deal. Um, and, you know, the fact that they even look back to say, you know what, let's, let's make sure that everybody that was involved gets a piece of this action as well. It was really, um, yeah, heartfelt. I, I like that. That is really, really nice. That is nice business. That's doing business in a really nice way and long-lasting way. You know, so um, but I hope the the whole versus um, platform goes on from strength to strength and doesn't, you know, deteriorate from this point. I'm sure it won't because Timberland and um, Twist Beats are still involved. But yeah, so that's recently happened as well. And it just goes to show, and it's, it's something I always say, I've, I've been saying throughout since I started this podcast. Um, although we're going through this time of, of change and you know, things are not working the way how we they used to work. People are losing a lot. There are a lot of opportunities to be to be to be 
taken, you know, and and this, you know, Swiss Beats and Timberland, they, they, they started something off the back of this pandemic, you know, to entertain people at home, make sure the artists are still busy, you know, using Instagram. Um, and now they've been able to sell, sell that on, you know, and and obviously give give the artist a, a little investment piece as well. So, yeah, there's and there's many more opportunities, many, many more opportunities, you know. So we, we just have to be on it um, and looking towards that. So, yeah, so going back to the beginning of the week, like I said, Oprah, Oprah's interview has been, yeah, it's, it's, if you think about, uh, I don't know, I was going to say it's caused ripples, but it's more like a tsunami, you know, there's been so much, so much has happened off of the back of it, um, so much, so much has happened off the back of it, like I said, Piers, Piers, this Morgan situation, um, even down to you know the people are questioning you know are the are they is there racism within the in the within the royal family um things like that i mean since since the interview um Harry has clarified and via oprah that um, none of the comments that were made um in regards to archie's skin color et cetera none of it came from the queen or the duke of edinburgh um but um, the the palace, the Queen, they have um, put out statements, um, and basically the I mean you can look it up online and whatnot. But basically the the main part is um, the recollections. They said the recollections may vary, um, but they'd be looking to address the whole situation privately. So some people are, are you know, understand that. Some people are not happy with that. You know, them being, you know funded by the, by the general public as well, you know, um, and being that they're talking about race and things like that. So, but we'll, we'll see how it pans out, you know, it's, it's early days, it's, it's the first week since this whole bombshell um, come about, um, but it's Pandora's box has been open now, you know, and it's, it's really, it's really about conversation. I think for me, the crux of it is what somebody said to Harry and then Harry told his wife, you know, um, and there was, you know, there was racial undertones to that. So it is what it is. I mean, I think Megan's getting the full brunt of it, um, being the outsider. But like I said, the truth is, it's something that was said to Prince Harry, you know, and then was told to his wife, and his wife has just relayed it um, in front of him, and he was there. So it is what it is. You know, we just have to see how that all pans out. Um, but um, the Duke of Cambridge, William, was asked, he was at a school in um, Stratford, um, and yeah, someone asked him if the, if the royal family is racist, and he said um, they're very much not racist. Bit of an odd way to, to phrase it, a bit of a long-winded way to say it, but yeah, he said they're, they're very much not a racist family. So, so yeah, Things will will continue to go on, but one one of the things that really stood out to me, and I I, I wanted to get some clarification on, um, was in regards to Archie um, being a prince, because I, I didn't I didn't I don't really follow the royal family like that, so I didn't have any idea of how that would go. I just took it for granted that he was a prince. You know, you're born into the royal family. If you're a male, you're a prince. If you're a female, you're a princess. That's how I thought it went, but it seems it's a little bit more intricate than that so I've done a little bit of digging because Megan did mention that um, that 
uh, there were some questions about things being changed um, in regards to Archie being a prince. So, um, so yeah, that was that was that was one of uh, many many concerns um, that they would that they said they would be changing the convention um, for Archie, um, which didn't sound right, didn't feel right either. But basically, um, there is what they call a letter of uh, patent issued by um, King George V in November 1917. And basically, that what that does is um, it declared that all grandchildren and all great-grandchildren of the monarch would no longer be princes and princesses except for the eldest son of the Prince of Wales. So that would be William's, William's children. So, um, so basically, uh, that would mean, like I said, automatically, Prince George, um, the eldest son of Prince William, would automatically become a prince, but Archie wouldn't. Um, and, yeah, so under that protocol, um, even uh, Prince, Princess Charlotte and Prince Louis wouldn't um, receive, uh, they wouldn't be princes and, and princesses. But in uh, December 2012, the Queen issued her um, letter of patent, which, which said that um, all of Prince uh, William's children would be entitled to princes or princesses um, and get the HRH in their title. Um, so... But in, according to so, okay, so that would, that's, that's what would happen for um, William's children. So the Queen's interjected and made that so. Um, but part of the the original um, letter in 1917 would still mean that um, Archie would become a prince um, once Prince Charles becomes king. So all of the children, so Prince William's children and um, Harry's children would all become princes and princesses once Charles become king. But like I said, the Queen interjected early and made sure that um, William, all, William's, uh, all of William's children were princes and princesses before Charles actually become king. So for whatever reason, she did that, but that's done. So, um, so yeah, so we, there, there's been talks about um, them reducing... The amount of um, the amount of uh, roles within the royal family. Prince Charles spoke about that in um, it was like 2019. He spoke about reducing the number of numbers of roles at that stage in 2019. Incidentally, Archie was born in 2019 as well, 6th of May. So, but none of that has been solidified yet. So it'd be just interesting to see how how that goes. So, you know, as it stands, from what I understand, anyway, as it stands. If and when um, Prince Charles becomes king, Archie will become prince, unless something changes uh, moving forward. Nothing's really been said either way. You know, there hasn't been no comments about that um, from Buckingham Palace or anything like that. And, and Meghan hasn't given any more details about it. So that, that's one we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, it was just a little bit of interesting, you know, facts about how how the royal family works and stuff. I, f- I found it quite interesting. Um, but yeah, but like I said, if they, if it does change, um, yeah, it would be interesting. It would be interesting. There'll be questions asked because obviously the timing of it is, is quite significant, but hey, 
we'll see how that goes. Um, on another note, um, congratulations to um, a young actress from Hackney, um, Bookie Bakray. She, uh, her role in uh, the film Rocks um, has been nominated for a BAFTA, which takes place April the 11th, 2001. Um, so, yeah, hopefully she will win that and take that home to Hackney. Yeah, very good. I think she was about 16 when she played that part. So, um, yeah, and I think it's her first part as well. I don't think she was acting before that. So she's over the moon. I watched a couple of interviews with her. Um, really happy for her. Really, really happy for her. And also Daniel Kalula, Kaluya um, is also up for um, an award for Judas and the Black Messiah. Great movie. And he definitely, definitely uh, deserves an award for that. Both of them do for to be fair. So we'll definitely be looking looking out for that award show. So a book um, I've been asked to speak on this week is The Little Book of Success, Laws of Leadership for Black Women by Elaine Merrill Brown. So it's a book, um, it's basically a rich, uh, it's basically, they said it's rich with wisdom and practical gems um, focuses on building blocks of true leadership, self-confidence, effective communication, collaboration, um, and courage, while dealing with specifically um, with um, stereotypes. So this sounds like a really good book, um, especially on the, you know this this week of um, you know women empowerment and you know women taking control of their destiny and, and challenging. Challenging, challenging the norm, the status quo, etc. So this is definitely a book. I thought it was quite timely to, to speak on this book, promote this book. So The Little Black Book of Success, Laws of Leadership for Black Women by Elaine Merrill Brown. So definitely check that one out. So, um, yeah, so as I was saying earlier, I think, you know, all of these things that are happening, um, you know, People speaking out, women speaking out, um, speaking their truth, their perspective, um, women marching, you know, um, women being attacked, you know, all, all of these things. I think we're, I think as human beings, we're looking at things and, and feeling them a lot more, you know, because we're not, we're not out there doing what we normally done. We're not as busy as we usually have been in the past, like 2019 and, and, and before then. You know, we're all being, we're all under attack, you know, by this global uh, pandemic, you know, this global situation. So, you know, there's a lot of time sitting down at home, you know, not, not busying ourselves doing all kinds of stuff. So I think things that should have touched us in the past, maybe we were too busy for them to really register for all of us. They registered for some of us, but they didn't register for all of us. But I think things are just registering different now. I don't think it would feel like things that the things that are happening are different. They're just registering different. Um, so, and you know, the whole George Floyd and, and Breonna Taylor situation, it's like that was the beginning. You know, that was the beginning of things that have been happening year after year after year for hundreds of years, pretty much. Um, only in 2020 did they become something that we said we're not going to have no more and we're, we're going to deal with differently. And now this week, sadly, we've had the, the death of, of, of a lady in, Cl in Clapham. And um, 
and it's the same thing again you know women have died before but this everything feels different now people are feeling it different now and I, and I really think it's because we're going through this global situation together as human beings so we're, we're really looking at things and 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 I really do think it's a, it's a time for changing a lot of things you know I think these things should have been changed a long time ago but maybe the time wasn't right but now the time feels right for changing all kinds of things you know for the better so so yeah yeah so um this is definitely a time for us to grow as human beings on, on many levels if we're willing to grow you know if we're willing to grow and to, and to listen you know um and i think that the biggest thing as i said the biggest thing for me this week is men as men, we need to sit down and, and listen to women, you know, um, and women need to speak unapologetically um, about their experiences, their needs, their wants, you know, because, um, cause yeah, I mean, like I said, the, the, the perpetrators, the people creating the victims, nine times out of ten, it's, it's, a, it's a male, you know, it's a violent, predatory male. And these violent, predatory males are affecting women and men in a negative way. Because all of the, the, the young people out there that are scared for their life, um, the young women who are out there that are scared for their life, you know, the old, the old men and women that are scared for their life, it, they, they're not scared of women. You know, they're not scared of women. It, it will be a male, 9.9%. Uh, sorry, 99, 99% of the time it's going to be a male that they are fearing. So we need to do something about that. And like I said, I think there's things we can do with, with, with the adult males now and things like that. But moving forward, thinking about growing a, a generation of, of, of men and, and that understand it, you know, innately you know, and function differently and call it out when they see it, you know. Call out the violence towards women, whether it's physical, psychological, whatever. But I think that's something we need to start instilling in our, in our young men from, from zero all the way up to 21, you know, that be ingrained, you know, heavily. Um, I think that will, that will go a long way. And at least the next generation it will be, you know, the standard of, of what we do. But as, as men now, today, what we can do is when we see it, when we hear it, when we see a vulnerable woman on the, on the road, be mindful of it. Because we, we might not even be intending on, on um, making a woman feel, feel scared. It might be just, you know, you're walking on the street late at night, um, there's a, you're on the same side of the pavement. Maybe it's about you just walking across the road onto the other side of the road, just so that she can not have to be anxious about is this is this going to be okay am i going to be safe walking past this man at late at night maybe just walk across the road you know um there's so much there's so much but like i said it's it's not really for me to to elaborate on these kind of things too much i i really feel like um we need to sit down and listen to women on on, on this stuff um yeah i think that's what we really need to do so so yeah hopefully um this has um, given you some food for thought. Um, hopefully enough to, for you to share the link with another person who, who's not familiar with the podcast. Um, but thank you. Thank you again for choosing Pablo's podcast today. 
And hopefully you can join me on the next one. Until then, take care and be nice to each other. Thank you for listening to Pablo's podcast. I'm Pablo from Hackney and you can catch me next week for more healthy discussion.